Hi, everyone. Welcome to your new life blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Bridget Todd, an award-winning podcast host and creator, digital activist, and media expert. You may know Bridget from her critically acclaimed and award-winning podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, which explores how marginalized people show up online in response to the lack of inclusion in conversations around the internet. Or you may know her from her podcast, Internet Hate Machine, on how disinformation is spread and who is spreading it. Or Beef, the companion podcast to the hit Netflix show about infamous business rivalries. And before that, as the long-running host of Stuff Mom Never Told You. This is all in addition to the podcast Bridget has produced behind the scenes for companies like Refinery29, Lifetime, Hulu, and iHeartMedia through her company, Unbossed Creative. Bridget's resume reads like a who's who of media and activism, MSNBC, Afropunk, Ultraviolet, Planned Parenthood, and she is an internationally recognized expert, trainer, and speaker on combating misinformation and extremism online. She is a powerful advocate for social media platform accountability and works to create safer digital experiences for women and other marginalized people, as well as amplifying and celebrating marginalized people's contribution to tech and internet. Bridget's writing and work on technology, race, gender, and culture have been featured at The Atlantic, Newsweek, The Washington Post, The Daily Show, and more. And I'm so excited to have her with us today. Welcome, Bridget. Oh, I am so thrilled to be here. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> it's fun to hear ourselves, you know, through the lens of like what's true and in ways that maybe we wouldn't write about ourselves, right? Definitely. It's it's funny when people ask like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm just a podcaster. But then when you hear the whole thing laid out, you're like, oh, wow, I've done some stuff. I'm doing all that. It's amazing. Well, you really have had an incredible career in media, especially over a particularly tumultuous time. This podcast, Your New Life Blend, is about building the life that we want with intention. It's also about how we adapt to what life throws at us, what comes our way. And in the world of media and tech, and of course, politics, it's thrown a lot at us over the past decade or so. So I'd love to hear how you look at your career path now through that lens and what your North Star has been over the years as you've navigated this, I don't know, breakneck, dizzying pace of change. I have to first start by kind of acknowledging and admitting that you're kind of getting me at a bit of a weird time. Mm. I think other times in my career, I have felt very clear and like steadfast that what I want for my life and my career is really just self-directed. I don't want to work for anybody's organization. I want to be calling the shots. I want to be deciding who I work with and how. And that was something that was really informed by the precarity of media work, the precarity of consulting work, being a millennial who had gone through multiple organizations imploding or exploding mm -hmm. or folding and just saying like, I don't want to be a name on somebody's roster that they just lay off. I want to be calling the shots. That had been my North Star for quite a while in my career. Then I decided this is a kind of a lot. Maybe I'll just get a full-time job and I'll do my own thing on the side. I am very recently coming out the other end of that. It wasn't a terrible shortcut, but coming out the other end, I'm remembering why I was so interested in doing my own thing and calling my own shots because that is really how I feel most comfortable. Like 
sinking or swimming at my own peril, at my own hand. It just feels right to me. And so it's nice to sort of be back doing the thing that feels right, even as I acknowledge that sometimes it feels scary. Sometimes it feels a lot. Sometimes it feels precarious. It's the embracing the good and the bad of running your own business, calling your own shots. You know, sometimes it's me up at 3 a.m. worried about something that I forgot to submit or worried about some invoice that didn't come in. And sometimes it's me feeling really, really empowered that like, oh my God, I'm doing this. I'm building my own career. And it's both. And it's really acknowledging and accepting that it's both. And entrepreneurship is just no joke. It is not for the faint of heart. With freedom and self-directedness comes 3 a.m.s. If you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, there are things about it that no one's ever told you. For instance, my partner and I were thinking about buying a house. And when we talked to a lending agent, they were like, oh, you should have done this, this paperwork while you still had a full-time job because trying to get approved to buy a house and get a mortgage is totally different as an entrepreneur, right? And so in these ways that I would never ever think it is such an interesting and unique thing. I feel like that's such a metaphor for the work that you do, that you look at, like systems and structures, right? The system and structure is set up so that W-2 employees reap the benefit of our lending practices. This is not where I thought this conversation was going to go, but I'm into it. So much that I have found in, in this work is about unpacking mm -hmm. systems because every single time that I go to tell a story on the podcast, it seems somebody's individual story of, oh, this bad thing happened to them. And then you peel back the layer and you're like, oh, this is actually institutional or actually systemic. And so when it comes to being an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. It's not that I am someone who is, oh, I, I want to buy a home and that's going to be difficult if I don't have a full-time job, if I work for myself. It is that all of us, the burden that comes with doing your own thing means that you're up against systems that are not often designed to make things easier for you. And that's really the core of just talking about being a misinformation, disinformation, exposing systems. You have multiple podcasts, right? And they don't all look at that, but they do intersect, right? That's such a thoughtful question. I think they intersect. They all have the commonality of the internet. Like I think in my work most have the commonality of exploring internet experiences. I think internet use is like one of those things that most of us have in common or technology is something that I think unites us all. Doesn't matter where you live, what your age is, you have some level of exposure to technology. Welcome or not, invited or not, right? Correct, it's, absolutely yeah, correct. Right. And so I think that there are so few things that truly unite us, that are truly commonalities, that I think it's worth exploring. How are we showing up in technology? How are we showing up online? What are our experiences on the internet like? In what ways are they similar? And in what ways are they different? How are they harmful? How are they joyous? We kind of accept technology and the internet as a given in our experiences, and they are, but that doesn't mean that they're not worth exploring. I think that's a really interesting edge for you specifically because you're such an expert. You've had such an interesting career across all levels of media. I think sometimes when we have to get to a certain level of expertise, we lose perspective on the effect that it has across the board. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I know so many people that as they continue to grow their platform or their profile doing internet work, just by virtue of what their life looks like, they're spending less time on the internet, right? Like it's like if you start to have success doing internet stuff, your life might look a little bit different. And I think it's important to really remember what the experience is like for everyday folk when they log on the internet. They might be having a very different experience than someone who has built a huge platform talking about internet experiences. So it's very important to be mindful of that. The more we know about it, the less connected we actually become to the, whatever the thing is. Do you feel like that was the natural how you've created this career in I had no professional skills in podcasting. I was just someone who loved the medium. I was like a prolific listener of podcasts back in 2007. So I was like an early adopter of the medium. I grew up in one of those houses where public radio was always on. My dad was always listening to NPR and still does. 
And I remember my first job ever in podcasting, somebody sent me the application and I just fibbed on my resume. They were like, oh, do you know Final Cut Pro? And I was like, of course I do. Sure. And then when I got the job, it was like, oh, shit. Now I have to teach myself how to use these tools. Luckily, podcasting is the kind of thing where you really can learn it on the fly and Nobody at that time, nobody who was a podcaster had gone to school for it or anything. So I think I got in at an interesting time where you could sort of lie your way in and learn it all on the fly. And yeah, I guess I just was able to teach myself the basics of what I needed to know. And yeah, it's really worked out. I love that. Like you just you fibbed about Final Cut Pro, but of course, like you would figure that out on the fly, right? Like you, If you got the job, you would figure it out, right? Totally. Like if anyone's listening and they're like, I want to do a podcast, but the tech is too hard. You can figure it out. Like if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. The tools are very straightforward. I mean, not for me. I have somebody who does it all. But I do think like back when you got into it, it was really the wild, wild west and everybody was getting into it. And that's what drew me to it. I loved that it felt like the wild, wild west. I loved that it was such a new medium that people didn't really know. If you listen to a podcast today, there's all these kinds of little tropes like, oh, you say a certain thing when you start or you say a certain little phrase when you end. All of that stuff people were figuring out on the fly, right? And so nobody really knew what the medium was. And so it was everything. People were doing such interesting stuff with it. And it kind of did feel like a medium for weirdos and oddballs and those are my people. And so it just like really just fit. Like it was a space that felt good to be in. And you've done such a range, right? Like companion podcasts to television shows and when what you're doing with Tangati, award winning, looking at culture and problematic systems and structures and media and helping us be informed about all of it, not just the way people are being written out of it, right? Yeah, I think like that's one of the joys of working in podcasting and loving being like a listener podcast is that one day you could be listening to a show that is a deep investment dive into some important system that is going to change things or like get somebody who has been wrongfully incarcerated out of jail. And then you can just flip over and you're listening to somebody recap The Bachelor, right? It's like such a vast, a vast array of stories. And they're all so fun. Mm -hmm. They really, really are. We've caught you at a weird moment working for an organization versus having your own thing and how you know when to invest in what someone else is building and versus your own thing. Yeah. Knowing when to invest in your own thing versus what somebody else is building, that's been a defining question of my career. Recently, I kind of realized I might have stuck it out with somebody else's vision and somebody else's dream a little longer than I should have. And one of the signs for me was that I was starting to have a lot of trouble at the end of the day, at the end of my nine to five, when it was time to turn to my own projects, I realized that my own voice and my own vision and my own direction had been turned way down. And what had been turned way up internally in my own mind was the voice of my boss, the vision of my boss. And so when I realized how difficult it was to hear my own voice in my head, I was like, I think I might need to make some changes here. And I remember talking to a friend who was also a media entrepreneur, and she said, I think I was very stressed about something or like stuck on something with work. And she was like, why would you kill yourself for somebody else's dream? Why are you having late nights to accomplish somebody else's life goal? And you're not giving that same drive, that same energy, that same passion to your own. I hear that lingering in my head all the time of like, am I sacrificing myself to bring somebody else's vision of what they want to see in the world to life or my own? And that's really the question. Bless that friend. What a mirror. Holy smokes. Before you started telling that little anecdote, I was thinking, 
how did you know? Like, what clued you in to that was the thing that was missing that you couldn't hear yourself? It's almost like a mindfulness thing. This is going to sound so hippy-dippy, but I do like swear by this kind of stuff. Journaling every day gives you great insight into like what is occupying your headspace. And when I would read back my journals, I would say like, is the thing that is really occupying the majority of my headspace an assignment given to me by my boss? Like, is that really how I'm meant to show up? Like, where is my, you know, wrestling with things that are truly like my passions are truly like self-directed? And I just realized how much of my day-to-day I was and how much of my mental capacity I was just giving to others. Like, waking up already having given half of that pie to somebody else. Right. And knowing that that was actually not your personal North Star for your purpose. Right. Exactly. I think that's really powerful. And I think to be of service in this podcast every day, what is the question we ask ourselves first thing? What's the intention? Completely. And I think especially as women, Mm -hmm. as people who are marginalized, Mm -hmm. we are trained to think that asking that question is by definition a little bit selfish. That it's selfish to wake up every morning and orient yourself around what it is that you want to be doing. And I think we really need to let go of that notion that Mm. doing that is selfish because even if you're a parent, even if you are a caregiver for your parents, even if you have a lot going on, you are still on this earth to serve your passions and serve yourself. And like that shouldn't be selfish to orient your day and your life around what it is that you want to accomplish. And so I really had some intentional shifts around what that looks like and like sitting in the discomfort of, yeah, when I wake up in the morning, that headspace has to be mine. Of course, we take into account the restrictions of our lives. And sometimes we wake up and it's like my intention, my goal, what I need to do is pay down this debt or pay these bills or get myself through this thing. So there's all kinds of restrictions. And some of us come at this with more privilege that others don't, whatever. But how do we tune in every day to what we want and where we're going. And there's something deeply powerful and empowering about that. And, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about new normal, right? What does it mean? What does the world of work mean? What does it mean to to live intentionally? And how do we take all the pieces, what's come our way, what we've been through? Somebody said to us recently, the pandemic is the most important thing. It's going to shape everything that's happened over the last decade. And it's also the thing we're just not ever going to talk about again, right? As like shaping how we think about life and work, except here on this podcast. We're going to talk about it, right? It's just upended everything. I'm interested in like what you've seen and observed in the changing landscape culturally in the media, whatever, and how that's shaping your thinking about it for yourself and brought your work broadly. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that you're even opening up the space to have that conversation. Yeah. Looking back to pre-pandemic, I think I was the most stable that I had ever been in my life. I was the most financially stable. I was the wow. happiest. I had an incredible gig that I loved. I was working for a global music festival and I got to go all around the world to beautiful places and talk about cool stuff with really cool people. I was on top of the world. Mm. And then it was like the screen flipped and my new job was applying for unemployment every day, right? Truly, it was like one day I went to bed and it was like I woke up and they were like, oh, there's this thing called COVID. We can't have a music festival when there's a a pandemic. So sorry, you all like hate to do it, but you're all laid off. I understood. But I think that one of the hardest things for me was acknowledging that I was in a little bit of grief at that time that I Mm. had never really taken stock of the life that changed. I think I really had to spend some time holding space for that person who had finally felt like things are turning around, like blah, blah, blah. And really acknowledging that 
just because that version of my life is not coming back doesn't mean that what's ahead is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. It took some work to be ready to be forward facing. And I think that the reason why it was tough was because I hadn't adequately grieved what could have been, right? Like if the pandemic never happened, what would my life be like? And learning to make peace with the fact that that happened and it's over. And I can feel for that person that I lost and still look forward was really tough. And I think that we didn't really have a lot of spaces that were telling us that was okay to do. There wasn't a lot of room, even when the dust settled and we stopped wiping down packages or whatever, (laughs) right? There wasn't a lot of space to be like, oh, it's not just life that we've lost. It's our life that we've lost. And not just livelihood, but also passion and dreams. And it's really important to do that. I always got to be real with what is. I'm curious, when you talk to folks about this on the show, does anyone... Something that I've been thinking about lately is like, I was a much less anxious, less stressy, more social person pre. And now I'm like, I feel like I just show up to life a little more tired, a little more anxious. Has this been something that folks have been engaging or like experiencing and talking about when you ask them about this on the show? It hasn't come up like this specifically on the show. It's come up in my business, my coaching practice. It's come up with my friends and colleagues. It's come up for me. And you're an extremely online person. And I am being funny about that, but I'm also serious because I think for extremely online people who already had like a very robust digital life. I always joke, I had a paid Zoom account before the pandemic. A lot of sessions online. So in many ways, I was totally ready for this work from home thing. And I was, but then exponentially more. And so I think to go from already being an online, like for you, I would imagine, like extremely online person, and then for it to amplify in a major way, plus all the disinformation, the misinformation, what happened in the politics arena and news and all that just bombarding us and dealing with it. It's just reasonable to be exhausted from it. Oh, yeah. And then we're older by three years, right? Oh, boy, do I feel those three years. <laughs> yeah, I feel those three years. And I also think like I think socializing and being in the world is a muscle like everything. And so when you are out of practice with it a little and it's loaded with fear. I could go on. This is like a whole thing. I could talk about this forever. But the idea of we were supposed to just be back in the world, that expectation plus no space to process what we lost on a lot of levels, whether it was a career trajectory or humans that we loved, right? Or jobs or, you know, like all of it, relationships, travel, any of it, time. I think it's just normal to feel that way. And the issue from at least for what I see, why we launched this podcast is no one was talking about it. No one's naming it. And so we don't get a chance to like connect the dots and meet ourselves with kindness. We're just supposed to go back to work like we were. We're in such a different place now. Mm -hmm. That's the news piece right now, right? Like, are we seeing that a ton of that? Like how many news pieces are there right now? Um, Grinder, right? You, this Grindr? was just on your podcast, right? Yep. Grinder, like everybody, uh, Jamie Diamond at the Big Bank, Chase. You can work from home. You just have to work somewhere else, right? Wasn't that his quotable, uh, right? That's not how humans are. Mm-hmm. We are sensitive creatures with feelings and need to process things. And just snapping your fingers and saying, like, we expect you to come back to the office now, irregardless of what you've been through, have you processed all of that? I don't think that's how humans operate. And I think that had we had some kind of a national or global grieving process or moment to reflect or a moment to process, 
that would be different. But we never got that. I say this, I really had to learn how to be a bit gentle with myself. And so on days where I am like not operating as my best self, being like, okay, well, what's going on with me that I'm feeling this way? And not being so quick to be like, get your shit together. Like, you just got to do this. Having a more loving embrace of myself and being like, are we tired? Are we sad about something? Like, what's going on? I really invite folks in this moment of uncertainty and everything feeling so weird. Really be curious about what's going on with you. Don't just try to make yourself perform the way that you think that you should be. I mean, you just answered your own question, right? Which is like, what are people saying? They're not saying that, but that is what I would say, right? It's like a tag of line of the show, which is be gentle with yourself, right? We are able to honor our needs, meet ourselves with kindness in every moment. And it can't be quick. You're doing every day, which is like, how do I hear the inner wisdom, the wise Bridget inside who wants to be heard and connected? You're trying to find that balance. And I think that's it, right? Like, how do you have those checkpoints every day? where you honor what is happening for you. And I actually think like everyone can do that. It doesn't have to be any big thing. For me, it's Mm -hmm. journaling. It can be something that is small that you Mm -hmm. do every day. You got to find a way to tap into like what you're really actually feeling and really actually thinking and how you're actually showing up. We have so many ways that keep us from that voice, whether it's just the distractions of every day or being really busy. I find that I'm the further I get from being attuned to that voice, the worse I am in the world. Like, I'm my work's not right. My relationship's not right. Like, nothing is right when I am running away from that voice. The more attuned to it I am, the more, like, aligned I am with everything. It's not in conflict. What you want necessarily and what some employer is doing, it's not necessarily in conflict. But I think it's really is about finding that alignment. I think that's really, that's important. I want to give a moment for Tengadi and what you're doing there and, like, what you're seeing now, how it works together with what your new life blend, what you're trying to change and uncover through that vehicle of the podcast that everyone should be listening to. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah. So there are no girls on the internet. We're really trying to explore how people who are not usually included in the conversation around technology and social media and the internet, really trying to amplify those perspectives and experiences. And so we cover everything from like gendered disinformation campaigns to why when you log on to TikTok, everybody's trying to sell you on being like a traditional wife these days. Like what's happening with our experiences online? Yeah, like what's going on? I saw that and I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, I think always comes down to sort of almost like a like a national vibe check. I think that women are really exhausted and burnt out. And it's interesting how those conditions make us really susceptible to people be, who being like, oh, you know, what would be great if you just like didn't work and like baked pie. Yeah. Here's what's easy. Here's what's yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, working in the house full time. is Exactly. That's easy. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know if like those videos, I'm always like, I know some stay at home parents. That's also not easy. Like, no, that's my point. What? No, that's like, m- totally my point. Like, yeah. why are you trying to make it seem like it's all like, it's all just like soothing music mm-hmm. and aprons. It's like, no, it's like screaming and literal poop sometimes. Yeah. I saw the ways that the internet and social media became this, yeah, like a like a barometer for just like what we were dealing with, what we were showing up with, how we were doing, sometimes in ways that were joyous or celebratory or healthy, sometimes in ways that were not healthy and like a little messed up. And I think that we don't do enough examination of the ways that women and people of color show up online and what that tells us about our collective experiences. And so that's really what I wanted to, to do with the show. The people who are heard the most and take up the most space and conversations about technology and the internet are not people like us. They're not women. They're not queer people. They're not people of color. 
it's the majority of the people who are like both building the technology, shaping the policy, all of that. They would have you believe like it's all white, straight men. And yet the people who are using technology, it's such an inclusive, vast array of people. But those perspectives are just not heard. And so I wanted to sort of have there be more alignment around who is heard mm -hmm. from the most and who is actually using the technology and having the experiences that we all are sharing. You just articulated why I make this show, just questioning the assumption of how these experiences impact us all, questioning the assumptions that we show up with about who uses technology, who's allowed to to have an opinion about it, who's allowed to talk about it, who's allowed to feel like an expert on it. And you know what else, Bridget, I think, just adding to that and just like the pile on of like glowing reviews for it. Also, nothing is a vacuum, right? It doesn't just affect X or Y. It's the ripple on down the river of decisions and policies and narratives, right? I think you hit that so well also. And just going back to the beginning of the conversation, it's very much in alignment with what you've tried to do for your life too, which is the holistic. I don't think I ever would have put that together, but you're so right. I'm definitely big on seeing the ways that things don't just happen in a vacuum that they, you know, one decision that you make can ripple out. And it's like, oh, because I lied and said I knew how to use Final Cut Pro. Now I'm a full time podcaster. Everything is connected. I wouldn't have put that together, but that's really interesting. It's super clear to me. And it's something I think about in listening to your show and the way that you piece it out on social media, too. It's just like how you are helping me and people, I think, broadly connect the dots for how things and we all are connected. And it's really it's powerful. This is like, I, it's like I paid you to say these things. This is like the <laughs> nicest, the biggest, the best compliment a podcaster could hear from another podcaster. So thank, like deeply, thank you. It is all really heartfelt and true. Like I've spent a lot of time hunting around on your stuff, the news you're highlighting, the stories you're piecing out, and then the, just the way that you really connect the dots. If there's one thing that I am on my soapbox about, it's that this idea that you need to be an expert or have some kind of a technical background or expertise to be invested and involved in conversations about technology. Mm -hmm. That is a misconception that absolutely serves the mostly billionaire men who make decisions about technology. And it is in their best interest for all of us to be like, oh, well, I didn't go to Harvard. I'm not an engineer. What do I know about this? I'm sure they've got it. Nothing that is being talked about in any of these rooms is so complicated that anyone out there listening couldn't understand it. Elon Musk is not smarter than you. You have a right to have an opinion about technology. There is nothing happening out there that you could not understand. I really want there to be a cultural shift where more people, particularly people who are left out of these conversations, feel like they are able to take up space in these conversations. I'll never forget when I learned that Elon Musk, A of all, did not found Tesla. He and sure is, didn't. And is not an electrical or any kind of engineer. Like, everybody belongs in the room. Exactly. And it's like, we all know that guy who, like, has gotten to where he is because of his connections or because of his confidence. And you're like, I don't actually think he's that smart. It's just like that on a massive scale. Whenever you see one of these tech guys talking about they know better than you about something, remember that guy that you saw in that meeting where you're like, I don't think he's that smart. It's the same dynamic. That is really powerful. Bridget, thank you. Where can we find you? Where can we point people to? We're gonna put it all in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter at Bridget Marie. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. Uh, you can listen to my podcast on iHeartRadio there no girls on the internet you can listen to my other podcast beef you can listen to internet hate machine all the things <laughs> you can find me I'm, ever, I'm very easily findable online yeah i love that you called it twitter it's amazing oh i'm i'm not doing x it's gonna be twitter <laughs> for me brilliant brilliant, brilliant 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 i love it thank you so much for being here it's been i could keep this conversation going for the interest of time i think it's a good place to hold it and thank you all for listening this has been your new life blend i'm shoshana hecht reminding you as ever to be gentle with yourself. 